The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Carolis, and you are listening to Pa the Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 14 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Congratulations, you have made it to Friday. It is a big week for me over here on the East Coast. First off, this is kind of a big deal episode here at Pod of Chat. We have officially been producing this podcast on the Premier Dance Network for one year now. It's our one year anniversary. <laughs> Can I get some bells and whistles? <laughs> No? Yes? Well, we'll see what my producer can do. But I'm just so excited that I've been able to produce this and that you guys have been listening from week to week about me talking anything and everything I want to talk about dance. So I just want to give a great big thank you to all of you for listening in. Anyway, while this is super exciting, I also have many other happenings and going, uh, going on this week. I'm premiering my new ballet for the Columbia Ballet Collaborative's 10th anniversary performance, and that will take place tomorrow on Saturday, April 15th. I'm so honored to be included in this fantastic program that features super, super smart and talented dancers from Columbia University. Other choreographers that are taking part are American Ballet Theater soloist Craig Salstein, up-and-coming choreographer Claudia Schreier and uh, Emery Lacrone, who really got a lot of, uh, she really started much of her career working with the Columbia Ballet Collaborative. She didn't start her career there, I don't think, but she really got a lot of uh, positive attention from her work there. Um, if you're in the New York City area and you do want to see the show, we have two shows. There's a 3 p.m. show and an 8 p.m. show. Tickets are selling fast, so you'll have to buy those soon. But they can be purchased at www.columbiaballetcollaborative.com. And just go to their performance section. You can see ticket sales there. Beyond this, I am also featured in the March-April issue of Inside Dance Magazine. I was honored when they asked me to, uh, for an interview for their Teacher for Teacher feature, <laughs> uh, and that they wanted me to share my experience and thoughts on my post-performance career. I've only been focusing on teaching and choreographing my media work completely for a short period of time, so that's been, or is, quite the honor. 
So if you want to see that, you can go to InsideDance.com to get a copy of that. Lastly, I will be speaking alongside Gina Gibney and Dante Brown this Tuesday, April 18th, as a part of their Dancers Economic Empowerment Program. At 6.30 p.m. at Gibney Dance uh, in the Financial District, you can sit in and listen to the three of us talking about negotiating contracts for artists. Um, and if you go to GibneyDance.com, you can look for that program and sign up for free tickets there. It's Attendance is free, but you need to RSVP in order to make that happen. Of course, you can still catch me at my advanced beginner ballet classes that I teach at Broadway Dance Center on Fridays at 6 p.m. through at least the end of June. And also, I just found out I'll be teaching a series of contemporary classes from May 7th through 28th at Steps on Broadway. So if you want information on that, you can reach out to me or you can follow me on Facebook where I typically post my teaching schedule. Whew, okay, glad that we got that all done. Now on to this week's topic. When most dancers think of retirement, they often have images of a one-night career celebration that includes getting to dance all of their most iconic works that they perform throughout their 20 or so year career one more time, only to be followed by an extended curtain call, a standing ovation, a confetti drop, and roses being hurled at their feet. <laughs> or at least this is kind of what I imagined back in the beginning of my career. <laughs> The day after their big celebration, many dancers consider themselves former dancers and believe that they begin new lives. While I have stood on stage for a few of these magical moments, none of them have been my own. I used to dream of my adoring audience clapping until my eyes had no tears left, followed by an amazing retirement party where I got to burn all of the holy, torn-up ballet slippers for my career in a bonfire, <laughs> which I still have every single pair of slippers that I've worn since 2003, uh, to my mom's disdain because I am still planning on finding a way to make that happen. <laughs> I slowly started to come to terms with the fact that my performance career was going to slowly fade out of sight without much ado about anything. I'd gone from a reliable senior corps member that danced principal and soulless roles at Pacific Northwest Ballet to a freelance principal guest artist being flown from city to city for regional companies from production to production. By the time that I felt like it was time for my performance career to come to an end, I hadn't really danced anywhere long enough to maintain or grow an audience that cared <laughs> enough or at all to give me the magical, memorable send-off that I had dreamed of as, as a young professional. And as I went through a prolonged period of physical pain where I hoped that it would go away and I'd have some miraculous type of comeback, I remember how difficult it was for me to digest that I would soon no longer be a dancer. Or so I thought. While toying with the possibility that my back may never be able to handle major partnering again, I remember quizzing a, a handful of my friends with how they coped with losing their identities as dancers after they retired. But honestly, I can't remember anybody's response except for Val Canaparoli, who is a renowned international choreographer, and he's also a good friend of mine. I met him initially working at Pacific Northwest Ballet in my first season when we got to perform his iconic ballet, Lamborina. Anyway, chatting with Val on Facebook Messenger, as we often do, <laughs> he responded to my question, I'm still a dancer. I dance every day, it just it's in a, a different capacity. My, my heart melted a little bit when he said that, but also surprisingly, my burnout had also cooled a bit at the same time when he, he wrote those words to me. 
one of the hardest parts of retirement is letting go of an identity that most of us dancers have had since we were aged in mere single digits. <laughs> but as I grappled with the loss of my, my lifelong identity, I suddenly realized that I got to call myself a dancer as long as I still felt like I was a dancer. Uh, whether that meant that I took class every day, that I performed character roles, uh, that I was still dancing as a choreographer in the studio, or if I was still very active while I taught my ballet and contemporary technique classes. Yes, a dancer does die to death, but that doesn't mean that they can't still consider themselves a dancer in their second lives. As I, I watch the cycle of, uh, of stars and exceptionally qualified non-star dancers retire throughout my career, it seemed that there were very few paths that these retirees took. It always seemed that the higher-ranked, more reputably named dancer could go on to teaching in a nice school, uh, onto artistic staff duties like uh, that of a ballet master or mistress or an assistant to the director or uh, working as an administrator, whether it was an executive director or in the marketing team or anything like that. This, in fact, I now realize is actually why I was so desperate to rise in the ranks of the companies I danced with. Yeah, of course I really wanted to dance some, some fantastic roles, but in the end, I wanted to make sure that I could continue on with my dance career or, or my career as a dancer or being involved in dance forever. <laughs> Many of my lower-ranked friends gave up dance nearly completely upon retirement. Whether starting their own businesses or getting their own advanced degrees to become lawyers, doctors, and more, it seemed that all my friends who were on the track that I was on were completely moving on from our field. And that really frightened me. Either way, moving on to the other sides of a dance career or moving completely away from our field seemed to mean that these dancers quit the one consistent thing in their lives since childhood, cold turkey. When I, I finally chose to focus on my choreography and teaching, I knew that I would be a lifer when it comes to taking class. <laughs> I honestly don't understand how dancers can just stop taking class cold turkey. We take class our entire childhood, and it becomes ingrained in our psyche and patterns, and it releases important chemicals into our bodies that we're used to, uh, to having. So to just stop dancing almost seems dangerous to me. I think that many dancers retire and think that they should get a period of time off where they get to relax after spending almost their entire lives being constantly physically active and pushing their bodies. Um, or they turn their athleticism into another field versus uh, staying in the dance field, whether it turns into... Uh, Pilates or gyrotonics or if they become gym trainers and things like that. But I, I think it is so important for dancers to keep living and taking class as a part of their weekly practice, if not daily or a couple days a week. <laughs> I would imagine that signing off from the stress of uh, warding off injury and the emotional aspects of preparing for stage seem like you just leave everything behind. But I have found a newfound love for taking class as a retired uh, dancer or retired from performance dancer, <laughs> where I, I'm not so concerned about injury or exhaustion, uh, where I don't feel guilty for leaving class a little early if I'm super tired one day or say recently my left hip has been sore. I think I have a little bit of tendonitis in there. Um, 
or where I, I leave class thrilled like I did as a child. And that is something I, I lost towards the end of my time in my performance career. So, back to this idea about whether you are a dancer or not when you retire. If you do quit cold turkey, do you lose your status? I don't know. <laughs> but one thing I can tell you, all of those friends who ended their careers burnt out, non-reengaged with their, with their company, uh, bitter or jaded or injured or ready to move on, they almost all always come back to dance at some point. Uh, whether they take a six-month hiatus from dance or they take a six-year hiatus from dance, they all end up making it their way back into the studio or back into the theater watching performances. Because being a dancer doesn't really become a choice after a certain point. I swear that the brain rewires itself uh, in ways that almost force one to continue, continue moving their bodies. And my friends that have come to take my classes recently who haven't danced in years always marvel to me at how quickly the brain of a dancer comes back and how the body shockingly does follow, although not quite as fast. <laughs> And there they are, forgetting all of the tragedies of their career that weighed them down uh, and pushed them out of this career style, or all of the exhaustion that they experienced and how they just felt like they needed to break. All of a sudden, it, it's, it's still there, and it, and it always was. Yet, many of these dancers still don't see themselves as dancers because now they're doing it for fun. They're not doing it for a professor to get paid or with all the pressure. But... Even if a former dancer doesn't use their body to dance, they will always have the brain of a dancer. The discipline, the problem solving, the memory capacity, the determination, and so much more. We will always be dancers, whether we remain in the field or not, whether we are in the studio or on the stage, we are always going to be dancers. Even if you have a new career, you will be a dancer in that career. As I said earlier, I felt that I needed the credentials of a principal dancer to live out my dreams of choreographing and teaching around the world. I feel so lucky that I've had the opportunities to teach at world-renowned schools, choreograph for amazing organizations, and to produce media for all of you listeners alongside major talents like those other podcast hosts on our network. I don't think all of this would have been possible if I didn't get that wonderful advice and wisdom from Val Canaparoli, uh, that, that I could still be a dancer even if I wasn't dancing lead roles in front of thousands of people. We will always be dancers and we will always have a connection to dance, for we have traveled together on this unique journey along the wild pathway that dance is. So, when your performance career ends, as all of ours will, <laughs> I hope that you will still tell people that you are a dancer, because you are. There it is. I, I, I hope that you feel that this week's episode was worth worthy of one year of podcasting about dance. If you made it to the end of this episode, I would love to hear from my listeners about what content you really enjoyed during our first year of production. And also, I just want to say a huge thank you again to all of you for listening, reaching out to me with questions, ideas, and for all of your kind comments. It really keeps me going here, and it really inspires me to just keep on sharing as candidly as possible and to keep on putting things out there and to keep on uh, creating work and just spreading joy of this beautiful, beautiful dance world. Thank you for that. And cheers to one year here on the Premier Dance Network. <laughs>
And with that, I am signing off and getting ready to head to my world premiere happening this weekend at Columbia University. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod to Chat, Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorollis.com. Again, that's www.barrykerollis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcasts or to book masterclasses in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the premierdancenetwork.com. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, on Instagram where my name is B. Corollis, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I've been writing about working as a freelance artist for over five years. I also have two YouTube channels, B. Corollis featuring my choreography and choreography, that's core-ography which features my choreographic web series that tells the life-defining stories of professional dancers through revealing interviews and the choreography. Thanks for listening in to Pata Chat. I hope you return next Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.